This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Our heroes were fighting Dr. Moreau, the master of the evil will of souls, when something inside Alan snapped. What do her stained skin and new red eye mean? Why did she make Moreau explode? Will Butthole get an evil voice in his head so he doesn't feel left out? Find out next on Dumb Dumbs and Dragons. You feel something inside yourself snap. It's almost like she shattered a pot of ink on her body. Suddenly there's just a blast of blue, black, inky spikes. They go up the side of her face, down across her neck. All of a sudden, one of her eyes looks like it shatters. It goes blood red. Oh my God. And Dr. Moreau explodes. You see the legs in the platform slump forward and guts slide off them, but they all look very old and dry. Doesn't look like there's anything organic in him. The bone creature immediately falls apart. I put one hand out and catch the goat skull as it falls. And I'm like, yeah. You succeed. Alan, you fall unconscious. I'm running over there. Yeah, I'm going to run over there as well. I carry Goblin Jr. because if I got to do some healing, I'm doing it all around. <laughs> you make it over there. You see the small, still dazed form of Billy Fingers running one finger concernedly across Alan's face and using the other tap at her <laughs> like a dog trying to wake up an unconscious person. <laughs> Thanks, Billy. But we're going to need you to just stand just a little bit that way. And I pick him up and I put him with Goblin Jr. who's also down. I'm like, pet him. He he likes that. So that's happening over Billy there. Billy Fingers kind of slumps into Goblin Jr. while doing like a nice little little massage. So I start looking Alan over because this is some weird shit. Have I seen that the other people that she's been around have those like black hands on them? Yeah, Ranger has a couple on his face. You've seen a couple other bodyguards moving throughout the ship as you've... Have I heard them talking about it? Do they talk about her with veneration? Give me stress. Sold, sold, sold. So um, yes, you've heard them refer to her as the stained. They speak of her in reverent terms. Okay. Almost like a saint. Quinny, don't touch her. I take one of my gloves off because I've got these hail gloves with the gold, whatever. I got the magic gloves. They're great. So I put a second glove on (laughs) on the same hand so that I'm sort of like double gloving it. And I reach down and I open Alan's black side of the face eye to see what it looks like. Just a flat red eye. Like no pupils or anything? Like like Thrawn style, just pure red. That's not great. And then I check her other eye. Are we getting any reaction? I do that thing where I like hold Moonlight Bring and I make it glow and I move it back and forth. It does the thing where like the, the pupil contracts, dilates and contracts. Physically, her brain is no different than it was earlier. That's good. Then I take my gloves off and I reach around to the clean side of her neck and I check a pulse. Her pulse is faint but steady. I would like to try casting lesser restoration on her to see if that helps with whatever her condition is. You touch a creature and either one disease or condition affecting it, the examples they give are like blinded, deaf, yeah, yeah. paralyzed, or poisoned. So I'm going to cast that just generically, just pray to see if I could try to free her in any way from what the fuck's going on. You cast it and her pulse steadies. However, you do see that each spike of the ink seems to almost bleed out a little bit more. You're making it worse. Her heart beats normal now. So that's step one is not die. Step two is fix problem. Fuck. Okay. I'm going to do a very serious prayer over this body now. This is one where I mean it. The others get casual and this one's pretty serious. I'm like muttering to Moonhammer. 
Okay, I'm going to do one more thing. I've got one spell I'm casting, and then we're going to have to go to a pro, because I don't know what the fuck this is, but it's bad. And I reach out on the right side of her face. I put a hand there, and I put my gloved hand on the other side of her face. Whatever the clean side is, I'm not touching that yeah, pink yeah, shit. Yeah. And I lean down, and I just say, moon hammer, and my eyes start to glow, and two hammers come out. This one we need. And the two hammers actually come together and form one hammer and a red circle comes out around it and a line appears, much like the Ghostbusters logo with the no (laughs) on it. (laughs) And that just slowly shifts down and imprints on the clean side of her face. I call this power because it has a different name, but I like this better. It's called Hellban. It's a fourth level spell. It'll work for eight hours. The first time the target would drop to zero HP from damage, it drops to one HP and the spell ends. If an effect against an insta-kill with no damage, the effect is negated and the spell ends. So I've bought us eight hours where she can't die. And if she would, that mark will go away. And then that's like when we do healing spells and worry about turning her into an all-black demon monster. Well, how do we wake her up? Remember when you said you're making it worse and then you wanted me to stop? We need to find someone who won't make it worse. You hear behind you, Oh. Quentin, can you roll your perception check? I bet it's the goat skull. (laughs) 21. The empty gutted flesh of Dr. Moreau is peeling off the wall. Mm -hmm. As it does so, his face flops over and you can see the mouth is moving and slowly the bits are T-1000ing back towards him. I head over there, take out Frostbrand, and I say, you've seen what I can do with this. What's going on to our friend over there? It doesn't seem to have any throat or brain yet. It's working on it. Oh, 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 I know what to do. I know what to do. And I run over to the weird steel getup. Is the gem still underneath? Is that still glowing? Oh, yeah, it's pretty fucked up, but it's there. Well, if you're running there, I'm running back to Alan and just keep an eye on her. I want to take the gem. Mm-hmm. And I want to yank it out and hold it because my guess is this is like a soul stone. So if this goes, he goes. I'm going to go stand over the body. I want him to rebuild a head and a torso so he can talk. <laughs> but if the arms start coming back, I'm just smashing those motherfuckers with a hammer. All right. So in kind of a tremendously horrible world's shittiest Wolverine montage, he's just like slowly refilling himself with his organs and chunks of his flesh that were splattered against the wall coming back. The bits that are missing seem to be empty holes for now, but you can see they're starting to slowly re-knit. But anytime an arm shows up, you smash it to pulp. So he's kind of like half reformed. So he's like a deflated, wacky, waving, inflatable arm flailing tube man on a platform right now. His face is squished out against the bottom of the platform. I show him that I have the stone in one hand. And I'm like, if you fuck around, I break this. Now you're going to be helpful. And then maybe we'll leave you to just have a nice, weird apocalypse, okay? (sighs) Taking that as a yes. And I loop my rope around his corpse And I haul him forwards and I show him, Alan, we need to fix this. How do we fix this? (laughs) I'm afraid I don't know what's happening to your friend. I'm over by Alan. I like look over my shoulder, see the butthole is talking to this guy. Do you know anything that's going on with my friend? What do you give me? Haven't you taken enough from me? (laughs) No, not even a little quitty. (sighs) What do you want? Your friend Garvo seems to be quite a hail fellow. Pledge him to me and I'll help your friend. That's not my call to make. I can't do that to butthole. The brand sears on your back for a moment and then you can't hear anything. (sighs) Wake up, Alan. Please wake up. Fucking Moreau, if you don't know what the fuck's going on, I got one more question and then things are going to get weird. (laughs) So what the fuck did you do that's making all the dead people's souls get sucked into this fucking building? He explains that the thing he's wanted most in both his life and afterlife was companionship. And for a time I had it, but... Well, I got overambitious. I didn't just want my pets anymore. I wanted friends. Can you understand that, Mr. Farge? I'm gonna say yes, but in Moonhammer's name, what's happening? I made a mistake. I accidentally turned all the pets I had into bipedal creatures. I transformed them from my beloved companions into... Creatures who could think and talk and move of their own. My beloved pet, Mr. Mittens, left me. He and all his kind left me, and so I was left alone, and thus to continue my experiments in the hopes of finding companionship. And when I realized that I was not long for this world, well, I took the steps any reasonable mad doctor would and have created a means of of sustaining myself with the souls of those who have passed over. So you've been eating all the souls of all the people who've died? Not eating, just leaning upon. Where are they? Can you roll me a persuasion check with advantage, given that you have his nuts and a vice? 
19 total. He explains that the Well of Souls is in his library in his private chambers, and he's happy to direct you to it. He realizes he's lost and is basically now at your mercy, so he's being pretty agreeable. All right. Billy Fingers, you stay with unconscious Alan. Don't touch the black side of the face, but you can pet the other side of the face. Uh, And then I go over and I touch Goblin Jr., and I cast Cure Wounds on Goblin Jr. Goblin Jr. wakes up and immediately leaps forward, Dog's Purpose style, to try and leap on something, because that's the last thing he remembers. And then kind of looks around confused, but does that dog thing where they fucked up but don't want anyone to know, and just backs up against a wall, nodding and confidently. Just, and then he sees Alan, who's like, Snarf! Okay, Goblin Jr., Quin- Quinny and I gotta take the giant guy with no arms and get stuff from him to help. Uh, I need you to watch Alan to make sure nothing happens. Alan, can you roll me a will save, please? Ten. You're okay for now. Jesus. Goblin Jr., give us a bark if anything starts to change with Alan. So I I haul up Mr. Mojo. I'm never going to remember his fucking name. (laughs) And I'm like, you're Aaron Zukin now. It's the only way I can remember this. Uh, And I'm like, Quinny, come with me, and we're going to go into his special chamber and get the Well of Souls. Quinny cuts his head off. (laughs) I hold the blinking head up. Sorry, this is for efficiency's sake. And then I have to take out a backup shirt. A really, really shitty sew job, but I basically make it into like a bagpipe thing that I could fit under an arm. So when he needs to talk, because he doesn't have lungs anymore, I could squeeze the bag. Alarmingly, you realize he can talk without the lungs, but you can still squeeze him like a bag if you want. All right, let's go to your office. Mm -hmm. Show us where the fucking well of souls is. I drag his platform, his many-legged platform, over to Alan, and I bring her onto it. I try to coax the thing into walking with us. I toss you the soul so you can plug it in for power. Power it on. Yeah, that works. Not leaving Alan behind unconscious. Uh, so you, you take Goblin a second to, no. to scrape the desiccated corpse off of it. Right, yeah. I'd say we might even throw a blanket on it. Yeah, you know, I'll take off my hood and cape and lay it over and she I, can lay on I it. I got a bed roll. Yeah, oh, we'll, even we'll make okay. it comfy. It starts clickety-clack walking behind you. Goblin Jr. is trying to sheep herd it, which is kind of adorable. It's <laughs> not great at walking, but collectively you're able to move. Billy Fingers just has one of his fingers jointed, holding up to his eye stocks. He's just like saluting <laughs> <laughs> as he go forward. He uses his fingers to tap the body of the thing left or right to turn left or right. <laughs> Billy's yeah. driving the conveyor. <laughs> yep. So um, you clickety-clack your way down the hall. You come back into the central hotel lobby. Then you hang a left from where you are into the east corridor. You make your way down. Very ornate doors. Again, this time it's just Dr. Moreau looking officious and happy. But you boot those fuckers open because you ain't got time for that shit. <laughs> um, you come into a diamond-shaped room that's a library. Directly in the center of it is an ornate bowl with a silver thing. Harry Potter, the... The pensive. Yeah, sort of the pensive style thing. So almost a liquid metal in the middle of it, held up on four legs in the center of the room. There are bookshelves on all the walls. There's also like a bed and some chairs that have been pushed to the sides. They don't seem to be used or have been used in a while. You can hear a loud clicking. And when you come into the room and look to your right... There's a large workshop area with replacement legs and another conveyor that are all being gently looked after by a a small skeletal monkey who seems to be moving around with a wrench who immediately kind of stares at you, does that classic monkey shriek, and then disappears into the ceiling. To your left, the room seems to open up into a large room with cat beds and cat toys and, like, (laughs) chew toys. And beyond it, you can see it actually opens up into a small fenced-in part of the jungle. Seems like a little dog run. You can see a bed that says Mr. Mittens. You can see a bed that says Grumpy Cat. That's where you find yourselves. Alan's not doing well. You did well because you could lean on the power of this Well of Souls thing. How do we make it lean on Alan? You bring the head close to the bowl. He begins muttering incantations. And the liquid in the bowl, which again looks kind of mercurial, comes up and tendrils start to reach out towards Alan. I take out my sword. Are we going to let this thing happen? I got nothing better. Do you? Are you fucking with us? And I point my sword at the head of... Do you want her to live or not? I have lived for several centuries. Yes, we want her to live. Okay, if you're doing the right thing, then none of this is going to matter. But if you're doing the wrong thing, I don't care how much magic there is. It's going to be real fucking short. And I take out Moonlight Bringer and I have it glowing. And I just have it just outside of that ring where it's, it's almost giving him a tan just on the <laughs> side of the face. It's not doing anything that'll distract it, but it's enough that it's fucking one, one tap. He looks to you. He looks to Quinny, looks to Alan, looks to Billy, looks to Goblin Jr., I kind of smiles sadly and he says, I will help your friend. I've always sought what it seems you have. If you ever find my kitty, please tell him I love him. And part of the bowl reaches out. It goes from being kind of tentative to just immediately like shooting into Alan's nose, into her eyes, into her mouth. Her body spasms and Alan, you immediately sit straight upright. And oh, you- hello. You hear kind of a contented but mournful sigh and suddenly like a wind sweeps up around the room. 
The crystal beneath the conveyor shatters. The bowl falls over. The liquid turns black into ash. And the papers from the, the library kind of flutter to the ground. And the head gradually deflates in your hands. Is Alan still half... Is yeah, that, that hasn't gone away. So yeah. she, oh, okay. she's essentially, for the sake of myself, as my own, yeah, I was gonna say she's Harvey Dent. It's it's a two face split. Think more, um, fucking what's his name from Mortal Kombat? Um, Raiden. Why would it be Raiden? <laughs> Uh, no, the I'm shitty... I'm going to guess Kano? Kano, yes, thank there you. you. So, so think it. like, uh, uh, okay. or in, uh, I guess, Deadpool terms, it's kind of that same area that Domino has over eye. Part of her skull, part of her face uh, has turned midnight blue. And again, there's sort of spikes across her neck and throat, which weirdly now link up with the lightning scars from previous. She will later discover that it's kind of like her shoulder and half her torso now are midnight blue. Did we win? Yes. The face slowly sags and deflates I under would, your arm. I would also Ooh. say, no, I think we may have just sacrificed what could have been one of our truest friends. Because <laughs> he seemed pretty loyal and pretty desperate for friendship, but he was also a giant spooky murderer. But oh. yes, we won. Sorry. And then you almost died, and now yeah. you're, you're pretty spooky. Is uh, there a mirror? What do you mean? You have the mirror from your thief's kit, right? It's a little mirror. Well, I just, I take the empty bowl, and I just polish it, and then I hold it up for Alan, and I'm like, this is you now. I push it away. Okay. Billy Fingers okay. gives a very tentative thumbs up. I'm just absentmindedly petting Billy. This is pretty disturbing for me. I will say that petting Billy um, is kind of like linking hands with someone. It's very uh, comforting. Then, yeah. <laughs> I do a snap prayer. I lean over to Quinny and I go, whatever you've got is good, but whatever she's got is bad. I checked. Oh, yeah, you checked, did you? Yeah. That's good. That's um, real good. Quinny, you feel great. You feel much better than you have. Um, mm -hmm. And you kind of like breathe out. When you breathe back in, suddenly there's a firmness to your muscles. The body actually seems to work the way it should. Right. The gaps between some of the seams seem to fuse back together. And you certainly don't feel how you felt in your old body, but you definitely feel functional again. Your beard is doubly majestic and your eyes are twice as pretty. I don't know if I can convey to you how little Quinny cares about this beard. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's for the rest of us. Like every beard. <laughs> Alan, do you want to talk at all? I mean, I don't want to make assumptions, but I've been recently through a pretty similar situation where you wake up not feeling or looking like yourself. Probably a little different. Fair enough. Do you guys want to just talk amongst the two of you? Because I can just go over there because I still look great. Whether we talk or not, I want you to go over there. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go over and around the room and I'm just going to take as much important looking stuff as I can. I'm going to look for anything treasure and then anything that seems obviously magical because I think Alan would be into it. I'm just shoving it in a bag. Sure. You find a bunch of books that look good. So you grab those. Great. You grab a thousand golds worth of loot. Nice. And I think you also find a very fine set of scalpels, which will give you benefits in dire medical circumstance. Alan, are you still talking to Quinny? What are you doing? Are you taking a second? Yeah, Quinny, we've both got some shit going on. Yeah. Come on, just level with me. What's up with that glow on your back and this random magic? I just have talk to me. I haven't felt like myself in a lot of different ways lately. Obviously, I don't look the way I want to look anymore, but it feels like there's someone else in here with me sometimes. Do you talk to that person? Yeah, I think so. feels like old or ancient. Same thing's happening to me. I mean, I don't know if it's the same. Alan, can you roll me a perception check, please? 20 total. It does feel the same, but you would venture a guess that who you're talking to seems about your age. My voice guy in my head doesn't really sound old though mine's not always a voice sometimes there's just like an instinct that kicks in and it just feels really really good to let the instinct take over like a drug or something can you let it not take over yeah yeah i can depending on i don't know the heat of battle or stress i don't i don't know but sometimes it's harder than others to just be me do you mind if i take a look at your back fine okay. i hike up my shirt over my shoulders alan can you roll me an arcana check please yeah. 16. You get a really weird double vision wherein you're seeing the same image. So you're seeing his back, but it almost looks like one thing is overlaid over the other. Oh. One eye is reading it as a symbol that you can't quite recognize. The other reads it as mine. Do you know what it says? No, it's, it's on my back. I can't hey. even look at it. It says mine. That makes sense. What do you mean that makes sense? Hell was pretty bad. And kind of like prison, I agreed to do some work in order to not be ripped apart over and over and over again. I guess it's just a longer contract than I signed up for or thought I signed up for. Contract with who? I don't know. 
you can see your patron standing behind Alan and grinning at you. Alan, from your point of view, it almost looks like I'm giving you the middle finger, but I'm looking past you. <laughs> I turn around. You see, see what that? He's looking at. Nothing there. Although you could have sworn you almost saw something, but barely. I got a theory. Can you wink? I wink with my normal eye. Anything look different? Anywhere? Anything? I turn around and show you the thing on my back. I wink. You're blinking your regular eye? Yeah, I'm blinking my regular I eye. I see. When you do blink, you can see the words mine written on his back. Okay. With this weird eye, yeah. it says mine. I don't want to upset you or anything like that, but your new look, it's kind of familiar from a lot of the folks I was involved with in hell. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yep. I think we know what. I think I've also had enough of this. Um, (laughs) And Goblin Junior says, (laughs) Enough revelations for now. (laughs) Um, Butthole, as you're continuing to loot, you make your way into the pet room and you find a small cat bed with a ball of yarn in it. It says Mr. Mittens in a really loving script. You find a Marvin bed. It seems to be a little chewed through. Interesting. Alan, once you step away from Quinny, you hear the voice in your head and it sounds scared. Alan, what, what just happened to us? What happened to my eye? What do you mean, your eye? Something happened to my eye. I think something happened to my eye. Alan, what's happening to us? I don't... I don't... Can you just go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell t-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B D-U-M-B-S now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. The hosts of Dum Dums and Dragons are 420 friendly all year round, which is why we are excited to have IndiCloud back as a sponsor. As IndiCloud gets ready for summer, they're rolling out a new product, Dank Sickles. <laughs> it's got a great name, and I've never seen anything like this before. A summertime popsicle with 20 milligrams of cannabis. These bad boys come in wild cherry and blue race flavors, and you can mix and match with a pack of five or go with your flavor of choice. Dank Sickles are strong enough to share, but mellow enough to take to your next beach day or vacation. And unlike your sketchy neighborhood shop or dealer, IndiCloud gives you savings on every single order. It could be through their gold rewards program, their subscribe and save deals, or our special promo code just for Dum Dums and Dragons listeners. So please, right now, get 30% off your purchase. Head to indicloud.co slash dumdums to get 30% off your first order. And tell them that Dum Dums and Dragons sent you. That's I-N-D-A-C-L-O-U-D dot C-O, not com. C-O slash dum-dums D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-S to get 30% off your first order. And let us know how the dank sickles are. 
Hello, I am Bernard Sherbert, the survivalist Rupert from Dum Dums and Dragons, and I am here to help you survive the boredom of day-to-day -day life by helping to engage in the wonderful storytelling, whimsy, comedy, and occasional tragedy of the Dum Dums and Dragons adventures. If you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, that is D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E, and you can join for as little as $1 a month, which will gain access to our Patreon-only Discord, where you can hang out with other people who have also listened to the things you have listened to and seen the things you have seen and thus can describe them with you. Or, at higher levels, you can get ad-free feeds where you can avoid ads like this one. Or, alternatively, at even higher levels, you can add an NPC name, like Bourbon Gerbert was. Or, you can add your own NPC that you build at the highest level and get your name in the credits. Name in the credits. Name in the credits. Sorry, I had to say that three times because it is very, very, very cool. This has been Bourbon Sherbert, encouraging you to go join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. See you in the future. Bleep bloop. Is there anything else you want to do collectively in this room? Can we get any of these legs to work? Because if we can run just one, it'll just make it a lot out. easier to carry all our crap out. Can you roll me? Uh, so Alan, roll me an arcana check. Sure. Quinny, roll me a dexterity check. And Butthole, can you roll me an athletics check? So you'll be kind of like strong together. Yeah, stuff. Sure. 25. I cannot believe how much I've been leaning on Lucky up until this point. Natural one. <laughs> I have a 22 total. So it will run, but it's going to be a bit janky. So like it's dragging a leg and it shifts side to side. Okay, cool. I feel like it's not dexterity. But it is strong and magical. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to load up a bunch of the replacement parts that we saw, and, yep. and I'm going to take the other set of legs that worked before because there's the replacement ones. Sure, yeah. And I'm just going to strap those on top and just tie it to it with rope. And I'm like, okay, we can solve this. Billy later. Fingers looks at it and looks a little bit like him now, and he gives a big enthusiastic thumbs up. I pick him up and I put him in the driver's seat so he can yep. help steer it through there. And then I'll load all the books and crap on it so that'll sure. all yep. kind of go that way. And then I guess you two are good talk-wise. And Goblin Jr. goes, snarf, snarf. And I go, oh, okay, listen, I said I would stay out of it. And then... I'm just kind of whispering to myself under my breath, like, it's my eye. Okay. Does anybody want a cart ride? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. So, Quinny, you get to ride it out. And I think it's like Aladdin riding the elephant during the <laughs> Prince Ali march. Very good. You look regal, but you're also kind of pulling a bit of a uh, Holt from 9-9. where You're not trying to look as happy as you are. Prince Quinny, fabulous yep. he. Your, your donkey <laughs> is flat. Brown Barrel. Before we leave the room, I look up to the rafters. Mr. Monkey, there's nobody going to be here anymore. You're welcome to stay or live in the jungle, but if you want to come with us, you can. I haven't got Bryn a gift in a while. The monkey leans down. He goes, how good's your union? I am the most pro-union guy. I've unionized goblins. Right now we're working on a union for raptors. We could get a few more skeletons if you know anybody good. Mm, no one here worth taking, but I'm in. And he swings down and hops onto Quinny's shoulder. Oh. Guess I'm riding on you, bud. Great. Together, you awkwardly shuffle your way out of the tomb. So you come back out. Catlandia seems to be empty now, aside from the corpses and the burning bedroom that that whole wing has collapsed. Did we do this? Well, mm. uh, no, no, but yes. We helped a small cat person who then did this. As you're looking at the architecture now, you can tell it, it seems much more recent than the tomb. And as best you can tell it, the cat people, when they thought they were cat people, built this place over top of the tomb, assuming that this was their ancestral homeland, and hence the cat-shaped castle, which is now half collapsed, so it looks like someone caved half of it in with a crowbar. Ooh. A flaming crowbar. There's no sign of Mr. Mittens, who seems to have set out on his lifelong mission of turning all of his compatriots back into cat people, quote, quote, back into cat people. <laughs> Right, as far as he's concerned. Yes. The cat people was the first form they had. Yes. Right, okay. There are going to be some very confused house pets in this world. Okay, so we <laughs> just keep going through the town, and yep. then I stop where we had the pile outside the city, and I get my three body bags. The three knit raptor yep, bags? my three knit body bags with the raptors in them. Well, technically two raptors and one fake raptor corpse made out of zombified T-Rex parts. Right. And I oh, put yeah. those on the wagon at the back. Yep. And then just to make it pleasant, because I look at Alan and Quinny and need seems to be having a great day. <laughs> I thought that conversation would make things better. Clearly isn't. So as we're walking, I start doing my like blue flame that keeps bugs off. 
and I just start doing a little circle around the whole setup, only I'm avoiding the part with the raptor stuff so that some of the smell burns off before it gets into the rest. And together, you make your way back through the jungle and back to Port Nyanzaru. Queenie, this is your first time being here. It is a beautiful, busy, bustling port town, bright colors everywhere, exotic spices in the air. You can see people running around, dinosaurs hauling things through the streets. Lots of sun awnings. Generally pretty bright and cheerful place, Mm. which stands in stark contrast to all of your moods. This looks like a great place to steal things as an old instinct. Yeah. I feel like there's a voice in my head. Not necessarily like the voice I've been talking to, but just like, you're supposed to like taking things. And that kind of feels weird. You can hear as you sort of pass through the streets that there's tremendous excitement. It seems that large portion of the undead that have been in the jungles around the area have suddenly fallen over and, and ceased to function. There seems to be a lot of consternation around the fact that a lot of house pets seem to have mysteriously disappeared. It's an epidemic that's sweeping the city, and people keep speaking of a shape in the dark, and all they find in the morning is yarn. So you know that the stinky sluts have set up a pickup for you in the morning, so you have the day to uh, do whatever you need to do in town. Butthole, did you want to go return your previously enjoyed raptors? Yeah, I need to return the, the ra- Quinny, these raptors, well, the goo in these bags was raptors. They were a rental, so I need to return them. So there's like a speed return. You know how they do that for cars? You can like yeah. leave it in the parking lot? Yeah. I go to the parking lot for the raptors, and I just set them down, and I like write a note. As you do so, you see the woman you rented them from kick open the door, stare out, look at the sundial on her wrist that passes for a watch, and glower at you, and she storms over. Where the hell have you been with my raptors? I was using them, hence the rental. You're two days overdue. Oh my god, how long are we traveling for, Alan? I don't know, like two days? Was it a same-day return? Oh, that's what the contract says. That's true, I did pay for same-day return. Well, where are they? They're two of my best racing raptors. Well, they're right here. Camera cuts to the bag that's just got flies around it. She goes over and tows it. She goes, oh, you killed the raptors, didn't you? Well, I didn't kill them, but they died. Yeah, of course. Why else would I put them in bags? Ah, fuck! She points to some clauses on your contract. How well did you read this contract? I read it pretty well, which is why I paid for the extra insurance right here that says, if I total the Raptor, you have to pay for it. Oh, yes, that is fair. Did you read the clause under it? There's like tremendously fine print that suggests that if the Raptors are non-functional, she pays for it. However, given that they're some of her best racing Raptors, I mean, Blue was a champion racing Raptor, she can request services of those who rented the Raptors in kind. Well, sure, feel free to request. And you'll be legally obligated to do it. When you're so confused as to why you rented raptor goo. Well, no, I rented raptors, and then a giant zombified T-Rex turned them into goo when it oh. killed them. Yeah. Except for the one that ran away and is starting a union in the jungle, I assume. Because I yelled after it, you should start a union. Sandar, the owner of the raptor rental joint, is very concerned and very upset because tonight is, of course, the annual dino race through the streets of Port Nyanzaru, and now without her prized racing raptors. Her odds of winning have gone down considerably. She points out, however, in the fine print, you're now contractually obligated to help her win however you can. And the best way she can think you can do that is by winning the race yourselves. What's the prize? Gold! Give us a second and I huddle up with the other two. And I say, we gotta stay here for a night anyways. I think a raptor race could be fun. Clearly, you've both had not a great day. Quinny, we did save you. And you're stronger now. Alan and Red Eye part of Alan. Why would you single that out, It's just me. Okay, Alan, just Alan. Thank you. You have had a weird day. And I think winning would be great for all of us. How much of the gold do we think we should get? Sandar explains that the prize is gold as well as one item from the famed storerooms of one of the merchant princes of Port Nyanzaru. She also gently mentions to you quietly, she says, if I'm not mistaken, are you... You're him, right? Yeah. I had a name tag that was on my armor from my time as the Forsaken, and I put it on as like a bumper sticker, and I look back, and it's still on my ass. And what it says is, if I'm not mistaken, I'm the Forsaken. Uh, and I'm like, you are you got me. Just listen, uh, you're very popular in this town. And if word gets around that you're racing, I think we might be able to get something extra. Somewhere you can hear Annan just tossing and turning in her bed. She's just recently been dealing with a bunch of new t-shirt prints of Butthole Farch, Redemption is my name. You would hear her muttering, were you aboard the ship? Prophet, prophet, prophet. And she just sits up and she's like, oh, somewhere there's there's a chance for prophet. And an alarmed Bucky comes in through the door with a bucket of water being like, you're having a nightmare. And he just <laughs> sloshes her. <laughs> I saved you from a bad dream. 
as always happens in these instances, her hand reaches under the pillow to the pistol she keeps there, closes around the handle, and she looks at Bucky, and then she just smiles and says, thank you, Bucky. Okay, good night. Takes her another 10 minutes to unclench the fist <laughs> around the pistol. And I look at my two friends back in the stables and I say, okay, I think we got it. I'll race as the Forsaken. We'll all do the race, but here's how we got to split this up. We'll take the amount of gold that your raptors are worth and you get that because we fucked that up and that's fine. Thank you. Of the rest of the gold, we split it five ways. Right. One fifth goes to you because that seems fair. You got us a spot in the race. One fifth goes to Alan. One fifth goes to Quinny. One fifth goes to me. And the last fifth is split between Goblin Jr. and Billy Fingers because I don't know how they're helping, but it's going to be important. Snarf, snarf. What about Monkey Bone here? I gesture to my shoulder. You've convinced him he should unionize. I think he probably has rights now. Oh, no, that's a good point. I was told to get work aboard some kind of airship, not some kind of race adventure. Okay, we might need you as a mechanic. All right. But we'll pay you hourly and dental and benefits. Sold. <laughs> All right. The first thing I do, I got this lady and we got the Raptors. Here's one of those questions. Did you ever see that traveling play, Airbud? No, I've only seen the follow-up pop stars. That's a good one, too. That's a number one most listened to play. Because what they do in Airbud is they discover that a dog can play basketball because there's no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. Now, this is a race for raptors, and we have a lot of raptor parts, but we also have a metal table with legs that can run really fast. If we attach the raptor parts to the metal legs, would that count as a raptor? Yes, you could also use one of my other dinosaurs. Well, you're going to let us use more of your dinosaurs? Hey, in for a penny, in for a pound. All right. Well, I'm imagining all three of us are going to race, correct? (laughs) Yeah, in my stable, I've got a variety of dinos, and it'll be up to you to pick which ones you each want. My only condition is don't get them killed like the other ones, please. I didn't want to kill these ones. I thought they were cool. Listen, I've seen you as the Forsaken, and I know you kill. Okay, I promise not to actively kill our mounts in a race. She believes you. Okay, here are your options. In her stable remaining, she's got an Allosaurus. She's got a move of 50 or 80. She's got a raptor who's a little old, but, you know, still looks like it could party. It's got a speed of 40 and 60. She's got a Dimetrodon, which has 30-50, a Hadrosaurus, which has 40-50, and a Triceratops, which has 50-75. Alan, you'll recognize it as one that looks very similar to the one that was pulling the cart. Oh, that's nice. So basically, this race will work similar to the way our foot race worked back at the beginning of the arc. Essentially, you'll be racing throughout Port Anzaru. There will be different obstacles you have to encounter and overcome. You can choose which kind of dinosaur you want. Each dinosaur has a set movement rate as well as its own armor class, its own health, and various other things it can do. And I'll leave it up to you to pick which dinosaur you'd each like. Are the dinosaurs allowed to eat other dinosaurs on the course? The dinosaurs can't eat other dinosaurs. There are unchained matches, which are anything goes. This one's 80% anything goes, but dinosaurs are expensive. So the catch is dinosaurs can't eat each other, but you can do all manner of things like hopping on other people's dinosaurs. You can push racers off. You can impede them. You can do all manner of things. These races have been known to get pretty inventive. Quinny with like a thousand yard stare says, how about murder? No, murder is generally frowned upon. What about the riders, not the dinosaurs? Oh, uh, both. That's what I meant. Okay, some of them, like the raptors or some of the smaller ones, I would feel pretty sorry for knowing I'm like 240 pounds plus full armor if I'm going Forsaken again for this race. So I'm thinking I might just want to take the biggest one, (laughs) the Allosaurus, and then I can get aggressive as the Forsaken because I'm a celebrity. You know, it's like when... Really famous players play a game and the referee lets them do more. Oh, you're going full Forsaken again? They want the Forsaken, so I got to spray paint myself black and get spiky stuff or whatever. All right. I like the Triceratops. Yep. We're, we're friends now. I'll go with the old Raptor. Great. I look back at the table being driven by Billy Fingers and I just go, next time. And it goes click, 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 click. Click, click. And I look at Billy Fingers. I just give that little dude a motherfucking <laughs> thumbs up. He would give you a thumbs up, but he's very busy trying to puppet this thing. <laughs> The monkey pulls out his wrench, which to you would be a monkey wrench, but to him is just a wrench. Got it. And is helping. (laughs) Billy taps out a quick Morse code thing, and the monkey's like, name, call me wrench. So you have monkey wrench working on the thing. You've got Billy Fingers. And you know, they're a pretty good duo. They have some wacky (laughs) adventures while you guys are off doing other things. So we'll let them fix those walking tables. What are the names of your respective dinosaurs? Oh, oh, because we got to come up with racing names. Because they always race under a name that's not their real name. That's the first rule of the race. I just called Tops. She's the fucking Tops. (laughs) Mine's going to have like a racing horse name. Alabaster Tuesday. (laughs) 
That's going to be the name of my old raptor from a bygone era of raptor racing. You're given a pork pie hat immediately (laughs) upon sitting on top of Alabaster Tuesday. And then as I say this, Goblin Jr. has found a bucket of black paint and he just swings it and throws it and it coats my armor head to toe as the words come out. God. (laughs) And I just say, the perversity of life! I am reborn! I am the Forsaken! And there's like a sound of thunder, and then you look over and it's just Monkey Wrench rapidly shaking a giant piece of metal. It's like, like, oh, look, it's spooky. This guy got on the same page as you so fast, this monkey. When you work for the Forsaken, you are Slaughter Beast! Yeah, all right. (laughs) Okay, so we've got Tops. She's the fucking Tops! Alabaster Tuesday (laughs) and the perversity of life. (laughs) So you pull up to the start line, and there are three other people on Raptors for ease of creature, and their names are... You want three more names? You know, I'm going to give four racers. Let's each come up with one. All right. Snaggletooth. Snaggletooth. All right. Yep. Lame Paul. Lame Paul. Victor Salmon Hat. (laughs) The jockey wears a salmon hat. It's literally (laughs) a salmon. Victor? Yes, Victor Salmon Hat. And the Dusty Buffalo Wing. Can we just call him Dusty Buff for short? Yep. Love it. The Dusty Buff. All right, you all pull up to the start line, and Port Nanzaru is run by merchant princes. You can see a bunch of them kind of in a, a viewing booth. Quinny, your donkey ears are picking up a ton of gambling going on. It's a little hard through the pork pie hat, but you get a bit. I cut holes. Yep. Butthole, your dress is a Forsaken. Alan, what are you wearing to race? Alan's going all out with this. It's full formal attire. So you're putting on the With Ritz. a top hat. I like it. So you see Sandar wring your hands. She's put a bunch of money down on the three of you to win. You look over to your pit team, and it's Slaughter Beast, Death Wolf, and Billy Fingers. <laughs> Who's as terrifying in any language. Um, And all of them are wearing little pit crew outfits and they all look pretty excited. There's a large crowd cheering. This seems to, it's a yearly event. Everyone's very excited. The course is marked with bright paint on the street. It's going to lead you through all seven of the major districts of Port Nyanzaru. When you're kind of getting ready, a guy who looks like the Port Nyanzaru equivalent of Bucky comes out with a horn. Okay, is everyone ready? Yeah. Do you want us to say to you that we're good to go, sir? That would be great. Yeah, I guess so. Hooray! I don't believe in any god! Except Moon Hammer, I love you. Weird whispers. How about you, overly formal lady? We're ready, and we're the fucking tops. And the race begins. All of your dinosaurs take off <laughs> at a bolt. Here's the way this is going to work. I'm going to ask you to roll a bunch of dice. The deal is the first of 300 points wins the race. The points will be determined by how far you can make your dinosaur go every round while still oh, overcoming okay. the various obstacles, not unlike the foot race from earlier. First and foremost, let's roll some animal handling checks, please. See how well you are controlling your dinosaur. Ellen, what did you get? 18. Alabaster Tuesday. 11. Perversity of life. Six. The first thing that happens is an, all the animals start jostling together and you rush up onto an elevated walkway high above Merchant's Ward where you rent to the dinosaurs in the first place. You can hear a bunch of people cheering from below. Now, all of you are packing hard onto this bridge. In the lead, we got She's the Fucking Tops, followed <laughs> by Alabaster Tuesday. Behind them, Lame Paul, the Dusty Buff, followed by Perversity of Life and Snaggletooth. And in distant, distant last, Victor. Salmon hat, whose salmon hat is not aerodynamic at all. Why did he wear the fish sideways? <laughs> Was the style of the time. They rush, so you all rush up onto this raised bridge. Now, looking to your left and right, you can see that you're all very tightly packed. What do you do? Now that we've completed that very perilous mission, I'd like to use my stress. <laughs> yep. What I was doing earlier that caused Frostbrand to appear and disappear was attuning myself to it. I want to spend stress to say that I uh, spent the time required to no longer link myself with it so that I can produce my mm-hmm. magical weapon. So now it can take on many different forms. Mm. So I'm going to produce a whip. Okay. just comes out of my hand now. You are closest to the Dusty Buff and Lame Paul. I will try and catch the legs or the rider of the one in front of me. Dusty Buff, go ahead and roll, please. 13 plus 7 for a total of 20. So with strength that you're unaccustomed to, you lash out with your whip and you wrap it around the Dusty Buff. 
right. um, who looks back in horror before being ripped off of his raptor and dropped into the crowd below. Perfect. You hear him scream, I wish I had wings, um, <laughs> as he falls into the crowd. You can hear them below rustle around and try and get him back up. You notice the crowds are very into this and this sort of shit happens a lot. Mm. Think kind of like a pod racing scene where bad shit's happening to everyone, but the crowd is really on board and They're helpful. eating it up. And the dinosaur keeps running, but it runs a lot slower without him. Mm. So one of the things that you'll see will happen throughout this race is you can be knocked from your mount and still get back on it. Oh, okay. It's just a matter of scrambling back up. Okay. The other thing I should point out is you can whip your dinosaurs to make them go faster. However, if you overwork them, they might go slower. Mm. She's the tops. You're up ahead. So currently mm-hmm. there's no one near you. So you're good. Just uh, hanging on. Perversity of you life. Go, you're at the back of the pack. Victor Salmon Hat is behind you. Snaggletooth and Lame Paul are ahead of you. What do you do? You're close enough on the bridge to either one of them. I'm going to simultaneously whip out some rope and strap myself to the saddle and then praying to Moonhammer, because I'm not really the Forsaken. I yell, my hatred of false gods drives me and drives you to the floor. And I cast an invisible version of Moonhammer's fist hands, because I I can't use Moonhammer, because I'm supposed to be the Forsaken, Mm. but I want to use the power of her invisible fist hands to try to just punch people off their dinos. Who's in front? Snaggletooth and then Lane Paul is in front of Snaggletooth? Yes. So right. I'll let you attack both of them. Both? Sick. I will say, though, as you do this, the symbols of Moonhammer start to glow on your armor and the black begins to crumble away. But it's still there. Just every time you use Moonhammer powers, more and more of the Forsaken will fall. That makes sense. I agree to this. <laughs> First of all would be Snaggletooth. 26 to hit. You hit Snaggletooth squarely, and it's like a classic action movie thing where there's like a sign on the train that he didn't see. So he just rides straight into one of these invisible walls and gets knocked backwards off his raptor to the ground and then starts running comically behind it. No, hmm. oh, no! He sounds like Snaggletooth. <laughs> and um, actually, the Moonhammer fist, even though invisible, did make the sound of a train. You know, they're like, and then it hit him, so it was amazing. And he's running, he's like, oh, I should have known. Heavens to Murgatroyd! <laughs> <laughs> and then I take my second shot at lame paul 17 to hit lame paul gets hit however despite his name he's actually pretty rad his birth name was rad paul so he actually swings sideways off his dino he's like hanging on it's going a bit slower but he's still on board so that brings us to the end of that round so your dinosaurs come up over the lift and you see ahead of you there are large dust clouds as you rush around the Temple of Savras. So it's a giant grand domed temple that resembles an unblinking eye looking straight forward into the sky. So nice to not be in a temple raiding it or fighting <laughs> things. Just be riding near one, which is nice. And there's a bunch of smiling priests that line the streets, and they seem ready to help cast spells to aid you. So if you can get close enough to them with a successful animal handling check, they will cast one of several helpful spells on you, unless you don't want their help because they Ooh. don't believe in your god. If you want to get close enough to get a boon, please roll me an animal handling yes, check. Yes, indeed. And I'll need an animal handling check regardless just to make sure you stay on the horse. Oh, seven. I'm trying to go in for a boon and I rolled an 18. I'm going to try to go in for a boon. 20 total, not natural. Okay. The two of you get close enough for boons. Quinny, you feel blessed, which is pretty great. Uh, you're going to be able to add a d4 to any attack or saving throws for the rest of the race. All right. Someone looks at you and goes, that poor man in that jaunty hat. And blesses you. Butthole, you gain resistance, a D4 to saves. And I go, oops, after I get it, but keep going. <laughs> Alan, can you roll me a check just for driving your mount? And all of you could roll me a check just to drive your mount, please. 13. It's a 10 for me. Nine for me. Perversity of life, you start to fall back a bit as you're trying to get the blessing, but also try and feign not caring. Um, (laughs) You're still making decent time, but you drop back a a little bit. Tops and Alabaster Tuesday, you're still going at a good pace. Coming up behind you, you can see that Lame Paul has managed to get back up on his mount. However, it means he misses out on any kind of blessing. Following him, we have Snaggletooth, who is now clutching the tail of his mount and starting (laughs) to like double hand cross up the back of it. However, he happens to be close enough to also receive a blessing. He's like, oh, many thanks. (laughs) Behind him, Victor Salmonhat has overtaken Dusty Buff, given that Dusty Buff had fallen off into the crowd. So Victor Salmonhat looks pretty happy. Honestly, he's just happy to be involved. (laughs) Um, Which brings us to round three. So you burn past the temple and come up on yet another of the many temples here in the temple district. This is the Temple of Gond. It is a clever water power display. However, ahead of you, you can see water jets intermittently spraying out over the course that look like they might knock you off your animal. So go ahead and roll me your standard animal handling check to see how your dino riding is going. 
Not too well, Tom. <laughs> Five. Fourteen. Six. Come on, Alabaster Tuesday. Salasaurus is just too big. <laughs> in a shocking turn of events, Alabaster Tuesday, you are now in the lead. Tops, you can feel your Triceratops, which was really jazzed about the excitement out of the gate, starting to lag a bit, getting a little sleepy. Perversity of life, you're finding it harder and harder to keep control of your mount. And unfortunately for all of you, your competitors seem to be getting their shit together. Lame Paul shoots out and is quickly on your tail there, Alabaster Tuesday. Suddenly, Snaggletooth, having regained his mount, is right up there with you. Victor Salmonhead actually riding a pretty good race right now. The Dusty Buff, however, is still lagging far behind. I need all of you to roll me a dexterity save, please. 20 total. Six. 16. Water jets shoot out in front of you. Alan and Quinny, you're both able to duck under them. This is something crazy that you don't normally do. It's actually working out pretty well for you. I'm having a great time. Forsaken, you drive straight through the water jets. Don't manage to dodge any of them. <laughs> but you're hardy in hail, so water jets can go fuck themselves. <laughs> just like the idea of just like riding straight, like your back is straight up and just... That's <laughs> <laughs> like water jets into your face. So you come out the other side, bright, shiny and moon hammery, but you don't lose any speed for that. That brings us to the third and final temple in the temple district, Temple of Soon. All of your dinosaurs come up over a crest and then down under an elevated causeway. The Temple of Soon has very beautiful followers and they're all very excited to see you. Oh, hooray, the racers! And they all throw beautiful sparkly things up in a cascade over you as you rush past under them. Unfortunately, as you know, beautiful shiny things often suck to get in your eyes. I am going to need a dex save from Alan and Quinny and a wisdom save from Butthole. Butthole, you've got streamers coming down at you and they look real nice but like you ain't got time for that shit Quinny and Alan because you're up in the lead and there's just a bunch of sparkly stuff falling 20 total again a total of 20 20 total 20 oh, total close. one of the streamers falls and manages to wrap itself around your forehead and now it just streams out behind you like Metal Gear <laughs> <laughs> and I yell as I glitter in the sun the gods are blessing me shall the forsaken choose a patron today God. <laughs> Guys, I love this game. I like playing with you guys. Um, okay, in a shocking twist of events, Lame Paul begins to lag behind. He gets a mouthful of glitter, and I don't care how rad he is, he starts choking. And so his raptor starts wildly weaving, which allows our good buddy Snaggletooth to pick up the slack. Snaggletooth comes in, full of piss and vinegar. Victor Salmon Hat wearing a sideways salmon hat. No good with streamers. And he falls from his mount and barely avoids being trampled by Dusty Buffalo, who is bringing up the rear. You now enter into Merchant's Ward. You see the causeway that you came across at the very beginning above you. It's familiar. You can see a deflated yarn sack of dead raptors off to one side. And we hear the announcer's voice filling the space again so that we're all aware of exactly the order we're in going through this place. <laughs> and coming into Merchant's Ward, in the lead, she is the fucking tops. Followed closely by Alabaster Tuesday. Followed shortly thereafter by Snaggletooth. Behind him, we've got some kind of shiny, happy version of the Forsaken riding <laughs> the perversity of life. Will he pick a patron today? We'll find out. <laughs> Seeming to have some problem with the streamers, Victor Salmonhat is looking better than ever, but can't seem to look where he's going. And bringing up the rear, Dusty Buffalo Wing. So sad, we're not sure why he's still in the race. Oh, and Victor Salmonhat is down, ladies and gentlemen. He is down. Luckily, he barely avoids getting stomped to death by Dusty Buffalo. Good thing, too, that's a fancy hat that I'd hate to see go to waste. Now we enter into Merchant's Ward. Oh, no, look out for those flying lizards. So as you <laughs> burn into Merchant's Ward, two of the merchants grit at each other, knock back a beer, and then crack open a cage, which sends flying lizards swooping out in front of your dinosaurs. You're able to duck and dodge them pretty easily. However, your dinosaurs are very distracted by these tasty-looking morsels. So I'm going to need all of you to roll me a dex save. As I'm going down this way, I look up into the sky and I just yell, Patron who chooses me, I will choose thee. Show me your power. And simultaneously, I cast Thaumaturgy on myself, so I shine. And then I cast Guidance on myself, which gives me plus one D4 to an ability check. <laughs> Do it up, sir. Natural one. Are you kidding me? No. Natural one. Hey, look at us. Yeah. Look at us. Possessed by strange beings <laughs> and such. Butthole. 12. 
She's the fucking tops and Alabaster Tuesday. Unfortunately, your dinos are damn hungry, so they slow down to chomp on some of these tasty flying motherfuckers, and you can feel them slowing. It's very frustrating. However, suddenly, your old pal perversity of life bursts through the center of you on his newly reinvigorated Allosaurus, who don't give no fucks about any flying lizards because he's full of the power of Moonhammer. <laughs> it would seem that right behind him, Lame Paul has linked the glitter out of his eyes and is now rushing up and is about on par with Alabaster and <laughs> She's the tops. Snaggletooth is riding neck and neck with Lame Paul. It seems like Victor Salmon Hat is straight up out of the race. He's rolling around in the dirt back there. Uh, his dinosaur has run off to eat flying lizards, which means Dusty Buffalo Wing is now slightly in contention, but still doing tremendously badly as both he and his dinosaur attempt to eat flying lizards. So now you ride through the huge gates of Old City. There's massive crowds on an elevated walkway that connects to the ziggurats that are throughout the city. And suddenly you see before you the giant fighting pit of executioners run. Looks like you're going to have to make two sharp turns. As you do so, you can see sort of a crabby-looking triceratops in the middle of the pit. Looks real big, real old, and real pissed off. You can attempt to knock a rider into the pit. However, doing so will also open you up to danger. What do you do? Oh, I do have something very specific that I'd like to do, but it's pretty close to knocking a rider in. Go ahead. I would like to use my movement. If I'm like neck and neck with Lame Paul, I want to bring Alabaster Tuesday over beside him. Use my fast hands bonus action to reach over and undo the harness and then just shove him off his raptor. Go ahead and roll, roll that check. 23 plus this d4, <laughs> 25. So you mostly unbuckle it, and then some god you don't believe in just seems to do the extra work for you, and it clicks, and you just see Lane Paul stare you in the eyes, and he says, For England? No. <laughs> For me. And you shove him squarely into uh, Executioner's Run. In slow motion, with Mad World playing, Lame Paul falls backwards, arms pinwheeling. The camera cuts below him, and we see him falling down, and behind him are dinosaurs sprinting past with riders on them. He thinks of the engagement ring he was going to buy with the winnings, and then his back hits the dirt, and it gets up on all fours, and he turns, and this pissed-off old Triceratops looks at him and is like... <laughs> <laughs> and then as you ride by up top, you can see Lane Paul running, swearing, being chased by a Triceratops that's trying to gore him to death. I'm in the lead, correct? Yes. Okay, I'm not trying to hit anybody then. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Alan, you look to your right, and a very similarly finely dressed gentleman rides up beside you and says, There's only room for one well-dressed dandy in this race. Goodbye forever. And he tries to boot you into the pit. Oh, no. So I need you to roll me a strength Fuck. check, opposing his strength check. Jesus Christ. Fuck, eight. Heaven's a Murgatroyd, I'm strong. Oh, so Snaggletooth shoves you hard, and Alan, you swing off the side of your Triceratops. Can you roll me a deck save to prevent yourself from falling into the pit? Yes. 20 total. So now you're hanging off the side. It's gently unpleasant. You'll need to roll me a check next time. It means you're going to lose a bit of speed, but you're not in the pit. Okay. How it worked visually was Alan got pushed, and that same Mad World started playing, and we saw a slow motion fall, and then she spun in the air and grabbed a strap of her saddle, and the music hard cut to Highway to Hell, and it just, like, she swung back on. Yeah, the, the way I'm, I'm seeing it is in the Prince of Persia games, when you, like, grabbed a rope and ran along a wall. Yeah. So it's like that. So, like, you've got the Jesus. rope, and you're hanging fully off the side of it. <laughs> and then it's like back to real speed and she's just fucking kicking it. Yep. There's like a small child looking at you with stars in her eyes who you high five on your way past. <laughs> and I say, you're the fucking tops, kid. <laughs> that brings us into stage seven. You rocket around the corner into the Grand Souk, which is a large bustling marketplace. People are offloading carts, rolling barrels. It seems like there's a bunch of stuff someone with fast fingers could grab. There's bottles of Taj, which is like a local delicacy. You can see people loading some really shitty-looking canoes into a box. It seems like there's some cages with monkeys. Uh, you can also see other mounts kind of hanging around. So you can try and grab an item, or you can just ride through safe. What do you want to do? Snaggletooth and I are pretty close, right? Mm -hmm. He pulled ahead of Alan. He did. I'm going to choose a third option okay. and body check him into a market stall, <laughs> like a merchant stall. Okay, roll me a check. Strength. Strength. 22. You ride over to him, and he looks up. Oh, what are you supposed to be? <laughs> And I say, shut up. Um, <laughs> says the bearded lady. <laughs> I think you use your extra muscly arms to push up off your mount and then use your donkey legs. You like swing Jesus. through like you're on a pommel horse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
and he rolled a one. So you Oof. like boot him in the teeth and you hear his jaw snap and he Ooh. flies out of his mount and spinning in the air to Mad World crashes through the world's shittiest looking canoe into the world's nicest looking canoe into a pile of monkey cages. When I connect with him and I break his jaw, I snatch one of his teeth out of the air. It's snaggly. Yeah. So he's down. Yeah, I'm just gunning it in a straight line. I'm in the lead, Yeah, man. I was going to say, it's going to be real hard to watch you all murder each other at the end. Dusty Buffalo really has nothing left to lose here. So he reaches for a bottle. He manages to snag it. And he holds it up and he opens it and he does the slow motion pour over his head, whips his hair back and forth, and suddenly he doesn't look so dusty anymore. Turns out he's actually very handsome. The crowd applauds and um, <laughs> he, gets a, uh, he gets a bonus for being a crowd favorite, which brings us into uh, the final stage. The finish line is in sight. It's in the arena. The stands are full of cheering fans. You've got like your entourage cheering you on. The lady who rented the Raptors from seems so excited. She's rubbing her hands together. There's a large water-filled trench about 10 feet across. You're going to need to leap in order to make it to the finish line. What do you do? I start putting the spurs to my Allosaurus. Like, let's get every fucking inch we can right. out of this can guy. Can you roll me an animal handling check? Yeah. Yes, I can. 23 total. Yeah, he's into it. Yeah, we're doing this. He's like, which if you spoke Allosaurus would be like, let's fucking do this. Yeah, I like this guy. Uh, This is a package deal. If one of us wins, we all win. So can you guys roll me your final jump check? So what I want to do is just to give Tops just a little extra boost just as she's pushing off. I'm going to benign transposition just ahead of her so she can jump without my weight and then I'll land back on her. Oh, cool. That's rad as fuck. (laughs) What I would like to do is lean forward and summon Moonhammer's arm and then have the hammer go in the dinosaur's mouth so the Allosaurus can grab it and it can help pull us catapult forwards across the gym. Okay, awesome. And Quinn, are you doing anything? Yeah, a little different. (laughs) So far in this race, I have dumped Lame Paul into a pit. I have kicked Snaggletooth into a merchant stall and... And I've watched two of my friends make it over to the finish line. So I pull up hard on the reins on uh, Alabaster Tuesday. Might as well go three for three. I turn him around. And this time I summon a quarterstaff out into my hand. And I am now charging, holding it like a lance to just <laughs> to just uh, dry buffalo. Roll me a check. Dusty buffalo. Dusty buffalo. He's not you. dusty anymore. Thank you. Anyways, wet buffalo. Oh, yeah. Ooh, bad yeah. idea, guys. So that was a natural one. You pull hard. Your raptor turns. And you know he's kind of old, so he's trying, but he can't quite keep the speed. And you charge. And again, it's just as fully epic as any jousting thing. And you take that first gallop, and then his legs fail, so he trips. And your quarterstaff goes into the mud and takes you like a pole vaulter up <laughs> out of your seat. Can you roll me an acrobatics check, Oh, absolutely, please? I can. 24. You're flung through the air, pole vaulter style, mm-hmm. and I think you pull your body in, so you're basically launched. Like a human spear? <laughs> yeah. Or a, not human, but whatever the fuck I am. Yeah. A uh, Frankenspear <laughs> and Wet Buffalo, who is grinning, because he knew it would be a long shot, but he was happy to be involved in the race. You know what he did pretty well, and he's got the love of the crowd. He ran his race. Just gets fucking pummeled in the chest, and you knock him flying out of his raptor. Can you roll me a sleight of hand check? 28. You managed to grab the reins of his mount and are pulled forward on it and make your way to the finish line. Nice. And I casually that. scoop up Alabaster Tuesday for running a good race. And, you know, I, so I, do you want to get like one foot up on each so you're riding? I'm going to go Mask of Zorro style. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. And in first place, coming up on the finish line, we have She's the Fucking Tops, followed closely by Alabaster. Wait, he's turning. He's turning. It would seem he's attempting to joust with the wet buffalo wing. Oh, he has tripped. He is airborne. My gods, I've never seen something like this. He has booted poor wet buffalo wing into the mud. He will never recover reputationally from that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and now he's Mask of Zorwing. Two raptors coming in on the final. And in third place, we've got the perversity of life. And the three seem to be coming up on the finish line. Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like our winner is... And there's a thunderous boom. Time slows for all of you, and Madwell doesn't play this time, but all of you feel a shockwave of force hit you. All of your dinosaurs tumble. You're thrown roughly through the air and tumble roughly through the dirt. And while I'm flying in the air, I just yell, How am I in last place? He jousted a guy! Numbers don't lie. Butthole, you roll hard. You're making sassy comments through the air. So you slide through the dirt. And you can feel heat on your face. And as you look up, a flaming sword has been planted in front of you. Von Strauss is glowering down at you. 
suddenly from out of the crowd, tons of armed soldiers stepping through. And he grabs you, looks in your eyes, and he says, Butthole Farch, on behalf of Lord Never Ember and all the people of Neverwinter, you are under arrest for escaping justice. You're coming with me. Well, I got two things to say to that. Number one, <laughs> Mr. Mittens definitely does not have an extradition treaty with Neverwinter. And two, he punches you so hard you go unconscious. But did we cross the finish line? No. What the shit? The three of you are taken into custody, slapped with magic-defying gauntlets you've seen earlier. Quinny says in his new body, in his voice, I'm just a regular raptor racer. As you can see, I'm not this Quinny person you speak of. <laughs> no one mentioned Quinny, but now that you do, take him in. Oh. So <laughs> the three of you are arrested, slapped in manacles, and hurried off to transport to places unknown. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Dum Dums and Dragons' artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. Epilogue. The air is cool this morning. It's a small mercy. Breathing deeply, the man steps out of his cell, flanked by guards who, to their credit, at least allowed him to keep his fine robes. It's to send a message, no doubt, that no one is safe, but still he takes some solace in them, some dignity. He squints against the bright light of day. It's high noon. How poetic. The assembled crowd is muttering, and there's a distinct sense of unease. There are soldiers everywhere. In the distance, Neverwinter continues to burn. New scars from the invasion. As the man enters the square, he can see the three judges, heads in nooses, awaiting their fate. The big Nordic one nods to him. He nods back. He mounts the stone steps and can finally see the downtown district proper. The bridges he labored so long to complete. The castle, his castle, left unfinished in spite of his oaths. Funny how our greatest ambitions can simply cease to be, he thinks. A massive banner bearing the sigil of the unseen hand now flaps idly from the ramparts. They wasted no time moving in, he thinks. The man has reached the top now, and he faces the crowd. The people, his people. Long live Lord Never Ember! Some brave soul yells from the audience. Strong hands are immediately upon him, dragging him from the crowd. Never Ember catches the man's eye and gives him a thankful nod. Then... He is forced to his knees. Your time is over, an imperious voice booms from behind him. His time is nigh. All will bow to the god of war or meet the fate of his enemies. Archibald Tingler cuts a striking figure, as does his long, gleaming, eternally bleeding blade. Never Ember can feel Tingler looming over him. And so... He takes another look at the crowd, at Neverwinter, at his home, and he sums up all the resolve he has left and bellows, Neverwinter! But he doesn't finish the word as Archibald Tingler's blade severs his head from his neck, as Neverember's lifeless body slumps to the ground. Neverwinter continues to burn. Welcome to the new age. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. Well, hello there. Dr. Charlie Tuckett here. You know, rumor was, Spaceship Oz-9 was intended to take a bunch of rich folks to a new planet since, uh, you know, we pretty much uh, used up the one we have now. But, you know, since it's uh, looking more and more likely the ship might uh, be humanity's last stand, let's take a quick look around. Are you telling me the four sacred tokens are all aboard the Oz-9? Remind me again why we're doing this? Allegiances are too muddled on this ship. MCCACEC is a normal institution of higher learning. Ah, 
But if you pull back the outermost layers... I'm from Minnesota, where we like our lives as neat and as open as the inside of a freshly caught and cleaned walleye. Do you know, I am now the only assassin aboard the ship. What are you doing, Elaine? I want to know what side he's on when the ship hits the fan. Are they the most ridiculous people I've ever met? Uh, fetch that annoying bunch of trespassers so we can bring Pluto to heel. The new order starts today. Well, however this all plays out, if you have a strong stomach and a high tolerance for stupid, you can follow the Oz Nines adventures just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. I got a trot, space monkeys. Stay safe out there.